the get up, get out, and do something virtual voter rally was designed to encourage people to vote in the 2020 general election. We have seen the statistics of voter turnout from past elections, and we also have heard about the unjust obstacles being created to discourage and prevent underrepresented communities and populations from voting. Even with the aforementioned, we know and still believe in the power of the vote. And that's why it is imperative that we unite and encourage everyone to march to the polls. It is no longer just our right, it is now our obligation. Join us as we are joined by our guests to get up, get out, and do something during this virtual voter rally, which originally aired on October 24th, 2020. I am a teacher transitioning to administration. So I still have my foot in the door as I teach one class, um, but I'm also working on the administrative side and it's truly challenging to see um, what has to be implemented because of, you know, the, the higher ups. So I'm hearing all of that firsthand but at the same time, I know, you know, that it's unreasonable and it's just not effective teaching wise, but it's, I can't, I have to kind of play both sides, you know, um, and right now in, in my city, in my, in my, on my campus, you know, with this virtual instruction and, you know, the attendance, because, you know, attendance is money. You know, we don't count these kids present one way or another. Somebody's going to lose a job. So learning all that and just seeing the kids just kind of drift away, it, it is very, very hard. It is very, very hard. And I think and I think the saddest part for me is all the compassion that people had for teachers back in like my April, May. You know, everybody was like, oh, man, teachers are the best. Yeah, that's gone now. <laughs> no, that's gone. They they had their fair share. They they rooted for us. Now it's time to get back to work. And we're just not really kind of thinking about what's best for everyone. Mr. Jones, I'm going to ask you to repeat the question, just so I can make sure I'm touching all the points, if that's okay with you. Just give us a... Okay. Uh, overview of give us an overview on terms of how you are currently feeling how your role has been impacted since everything has transpired starting February all the way up to now as we are preparing for election so my role has tremendously been impacted. I come from serving as an administrator at an inner city magnet school, so a predominantly African-American magnet school to being moved to be the administrator at a predominantly white gifted school. So a lot has transpired when you think about just me um, in a sense. I have literally gone through a culture shock. So when we talk about code switching and talking about racial things is draining for me. Um, I woke up one day and just decided I'm not code switching anymore. Like in my current role as principal at this gifted school, I'm gonna wear my Air Maxes, I'm gonna wear my polo shirts, like I'm gonna be me. Um, and I can't code switch with them. So 
I feel at times completely overwhelmed. Um, when we talk about race, we have I have the well-meaning white women and white dads um, who basically are, for lack of better terms, they treat this public and magnet school as if it is a um, a private school. And so trying to navigate that system has been very interesting for me. But I think I'm finally getting a handle on it by just being myself and understanding that. I can't fix this, what, what is happening in America, what, what's happening with race issues. Um, you think it would be a little bit easier for me, being that I am in St. Louis and we had Mike Brown, but it's not easy at all because people don't know what they don't know. So oftentimes I am um, find myself being reflective more so than reacting to what people are doing because I don't necessarily, like, I got to keep my job, right? So I try to reflect before I respond because I want to keep my job but at the end of the day what's happening what I'm what I'm going through is no quick fix it can't be fixed overnight this is systemic issues that um, I think needs to be addressed um, not only from the the seat that I'm in but also there are there are deep-rooted issues that that has to be addressed so I, at times I feel overwhelmed at times I feel flustered but at the end of the day I think I I, I am working through it the best that I can when you consider the needs that uh, the K through 12 system has across the country, what's one uh, piece of information that you want voters to know about prior to going into the voting booth that as it relates to their educational system, perhaps in their local communities, but could be applicable nationwide? So, in, in my experience, it all comes back to the voting. Um, every decision that is made, as far as you know, budget. Who you know is it? Someone that's actually going to put the money back in the schools, or is it someone that's going to take some of that money and pocket it? You know, I mean, it's all kinds of things. And and in my particular district. You know, I think it's gotten better um, over time, but you know, there, <laughs> there's just always an instance of you know embezzlement and you know just and unfortunately, a lot of times it is people of color. But those are things that we need to know and just kind of be cognizant of when we're going out and voting for these people. Like, who is gonna have the Who's going to have the educators and the children at the forefront of this journey else you know that's what we're here for but i, I it's something that i didn't really realize i may be 100 percent transparent i didn't really realize it until i got into education the amount that the voting the weight that it carries when you're voting for these people for school district and board and all of that. And it has a huge impact. And I can tell you 100% truth, I don't think my parents really paid much attention either, you know? And so I think we have to kind of really start talking about it, which is why I was excited about this. We have to really start having those conversations because it's no longer, we just send our kids to school and they good. Like that's not really the state that we're in anymore. It's so much more that goes into it. 
I think about what um, voters need to know. Again, I, I play this this role of going from my current situation to my previous situation. And in my current situation, I think what needs to happen is a true understanding and a lesson on empathy to understand what um, the community holistically means. So um, getting back to that notion of a village and taking a village to raise a child, whereas where I am now, they have the concept of, okay, this is the village, or they know how to use their voices as opposed to where I come from. Um, so it's just using your voice in a different way. So um, currently I'm in, I'm in a situation where people are educated, they know how to make the decision, they know what matters, but I want, I guess, my people to really hone in on why their votes matter and what they can do at the, the most minimal level, which is your local aldermen's and, and committee men's, things like that. Um, case in point, the other day, I had a neighbor at my current school yelling at me because the buses were idling and the no idling zone. I'm like, what? I don't care about those buses. Like, they got to pick up the kids and drop them off and pull off. Like, I don't care if they have their engine running. That's not, like, I'm not going to cry. And he's like, but it's getting in my house and it's such and such. And I'm like, now, if I was in North St. Louis, this wouldn't have been a problem. I'd be pissed because the buses are not on time. But um, he had enough power in him to where he called his block captain, who in turn called the alderman, who in turn called the police to come to the school to make sure that the buses were turning off their engines. And so that situation right there made me feel like, well, this is how he used his voice. And this is what I want my people elsewhere to learn and take from it, to know how to use their voice, because we can have no island on the north side as well, but we also can have a system that actually works for us. So he, I guess, is educated at the point where he knows how to make the system work for him, whereas otherwise, I want everyone to be educated enough to know how the system works for them. But also, when we talk about money and money going to attendance and so forth, that's important, absolutely. But you have to have people in office who's going to push for it, like, your local state representatives, your state senators, your aldermen, like what do those people know about public education? And I, I will be honest with you. I will look you up and down if you tell me you went to a private school and you want to represent me in government because you don't know what I've experienced coming from as a public school administrator, as a public school teacher, as a public school recipient. You don't know what I've experienced or so how dare you feel like you can advocate for me. You don't know what it's like to share a textbook. You don't know what it's like to go without a locker. You don't know what it's like to see your or your counterparts go on a field trip and you not being able to go on a field trip. You have to wait until the government or you someone finds some money or you beg your parents for $2 so you can end up to pay for a school bus. You don't know what that's like. So I don't think you can adequately advocate for me unless you have experienced that. I think with experience, it brings on a whole nother perspective that makes you say, okay, I understand what this person is coming from. Now, this is how I will advocate for them in whatever legislative body you're a part of. So I look at it from that angle. So what would you say is at stake with this current election in terms of your roles, in terms of your, your school districts, in terms of your communities? Hell, even in terms of your state. We won't go national just yet. Just thinking of more directly impacted stakes within your backyards, 
what is at stake with this election, local, state, and then federal? That's off the top of my head. I tell you, life and death is at stake. Um, we are, we haven't mentioned this yet, but I'm sure it will come. We are still in the midst of a pandemic. Um, we are still, especially uh, Crystal, if she is teaching in public education, we are all in a system that we are fighting for not only equity, but equality. Um, it's interesting, when we break down the price of education, and let's say it costs $12,000 to educate a child in my district, $12,000 to educate another child in another district, but a private school is also worth $12,000, but the kid in a public school is getting a crappier education, but we're paying the same price. So when we look at situations like that, we're like, well, how do you fix that? Like, that's what's at stake. Um, a matter of equity and then a matter of equality um, that I think is important to note that you can't have the same at the same time. Whereas at my school, I won't even say my school, I'll say in, 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 in different schools, and you might run across this in your local school districts as well, you will have a school that's outperforming another school, right? So one neighborhood school because of certain demographics that live in their area, is outperforming this neighborhood school because of particular demographics that live there. But this neighborhood school is a, has um, a way to get more things for their school, but this school has an issue. And so the district is pushing for equity in this school, but this school is also wanting equity and equality. And you can't have both. It just, it makes no sense. If, if what I'm saying makes sense to you, like it just makes no sense. So I think um, that's at stake for sure, but also the same thing, um, what's at stake is create, producing an educated citizenship. Like that is an educated community. That is 100% at stake. Um, just to touch on that, like to share my example of my area, um, as far as the funding goes, my school that I work at is in what you would call like, you know, a wealthy area. But it's a little funny because none of the wealthy students go to my school. So right around the corner from that wealthy area is um, a poverty filled neighborhood. And so that's the students that we get. Now, because of how our school is zoned, the state government says that, oh, well, you guys have been receiving too much money, so you need to pay some money back to the state because we gave you too much. Because y'all are located here, you're supposed to have money. We're like, we don't have any money because our students are mostly immigrants, first off. Um, a lot of refugees. So they're coming with nothing. We provide them with everything, but we're held to a certain standard that based on our location, y'all don't need no money. You're good. Your students should be doing X, Y, and Z. They should be donating. They should be providing their own uh, money for their laptops. They should be able to buy their uniforms and they, they can't do that. They, they just don't have the resources. So we have to go outside of our school 
you know, and get donations and get people to support when all actuality, you know, the state could be providing us with those resources that we need. And they're just not based upon that outside looking in. What do you what do you both think the administration could have done differently um, to to protect not only uh, you and your staff and your employees but also the students during the midst of this pandemic? What what was a, 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 a an event that took place that you like? Man, we dropped the ball and it should have been done and done differently for the sake of the greater good of our educational community. Everything. Everything. I, when I tell you COVID-19 essentially exposed every public school district in the country, every school district was exposed because you got to see the real inequities that exist. Um, we know, I know families who are struggling to make ends meet, let alone got access to Wi-Fi, let alone have access to a device to put to connect with the Wi-Fi, let alone electricity to support it. Like basic human needs were just like exposed. And so I'm listening and I'm looking at these calls and we're like, okay, we're gonna give every child in the district a one-to-one -one device. Every kid's gonna have a one-to-one. -one. That's great. Every child should already have a one-to-one -one device in 2020. We are in the year 2020. We are preparing for 22nd century education. Right, so every child should have, should have already had a one-to-one -one device. But when we go inside their homes, we're forcing now to go inside their homes and they live in dilapidated communities that can't even get Wi-Fi. I mean, AT&T won't even go to particular neighborhoods to even put a, a router or anything in place. So like everything has been exposed when you think about this pandemic. How many kids do you know come to school just to eat? How many kids come to school just to see daylight? Like, I got light. Like, this is a place where I can go and be safe and be happy and be myself. Like, I don't have to be on this dirty mattress if that's what I have. Like, COVID has 100% exposed education and what our kids have to go through. 100%. I 100% agree with that. Um, and at the same time, um, for the struggle on my campus has been, we have provided the students with, um, with laptops that we've always, as long as I've been there, you know, every student has had a laptop. We provided the students with Wi-Fi, um, and the struggle now for teachers is that they made the decision to not let any of the grades or attendance affect their standing. Now, I get it. I understand the importance, but I believe that maybe shouldn't have been stated because it is very hard now in almost November trying to grill these kids back in to say, hey, you know, 
I, I understand what was said back in May, but now it's a new school year and we have to start learning again. We have to start participating again. We have to start showing up more than just logging in and walking away. And it's, I really feel like for some of our kids, that was all they needed to hear because some of them were already towing that line where it's like, I'm gonna do just enough to get by. And now you're telling me that I don't have to do anything. And it's like, oh yeah, this this is what they've been waiting for. So it's been a very, very hard time for, educate, for educators all throughout my district to get any kind of participation from the students and that's now we're face to face and virtual at the same time like literally teaching the kids in the classroom while teaching the kids online and trying to find all of these innovative ways to do that when they're really the kids are not buying into it they like they're checked out so and i that, think we and that's unfortunate that, that, that's unfortunate because, uh, Chriselle, that goes back to what Sean stated. So there's a there's an equity issue even with how students are treated yes. in the midst of a pandemic in a virtual environment. You know, so folks are, are saying, well, you know, we understand it's an emergency situation now. So yeah, maybe certain processes and procedures we can overlook or we can be more flexible but now when the rubber has to meet the road for a new school year, students that suffered the most at the beginning are still suffering now because though you're saying laptops have been provided, Wi-Fi has been provided, but then you could potentially have an instructor uh, and a teacher that, hey, they're going to get their check every two weeks. And as long as that student is, is passing, then all is well with the world. But that's not benefiting the student or the family of the student or the community that the student then has to be a part of. How, so this is where I found myself towing the line at because going back to what Chriselle said, we, we, we loved and revered the teachers in April and March, right? And so now we're like, no, you need to teach X, Y, and Z. You need to do X, Y, and Z. And so I oftentimes remind my colleagues and parents, teachers did not go to school to teach virtually. They are not certified to teach virtual. They didn't have any like on the clock training on how to teach virtual. This is an emergency situation. So if I was a classroom teacher, I would feel a way because I'm being forced to teach virtually. And that's not my skill set. That's not that's not where I am. It's, think about how many seasoned teachers are out there. Think about how many grandmotherly, lovely, like auntie, like kindergarten teachers are having to toy, toil with a smart board. <laughs> a document camera, mm -hmm. a laptop, and a desktop, and then I'm going to give them an iPad too? Oh, hell, no. <laughs> but they hey, that's the like five teaching jobs right there. Plus, but that's, what plus, we're, that's what we're asking teachers yeah. to do right plus now. Yeah. They, they may not have good uh, wireless connections, so now they got to do tech support for them, and they don't know how that works. Then they got to do tech support for the for, seven-year-olds that don't know how to do it or with the adults that have already lost patience because they're on a zoom call taking the bandwidth from the little kids and it's it's a lot and so how as we are marching to the polls what what do you want the communities to know that should be a priority as they're making decisions 
as they are casting their ballots in terms of educating education, excuse me, what do you want the people to know before they make their vote? Like, what do you want them to have in their mind? As you are filling in your circles next to your candidate's name, you have to ask yourself, will this person adequately represent me and all of my views? I'm specifically saying all, all of your views as it relates to healthcare, as it relates to education, all of it. And I'm going back to that thought of, did you receive a public school education? Because if you received a public school education, you understand where I'm coming from and you could talk to me, especially in St. Louis. We had this thing where we asked everybody, what high school did you go to? If you say a high school that I'm accustomed to, absolutely, I'm going to vote for you. And I know the history because high school is pretty much associates you with the neighborhood, which pretty much would tell your life story. And so if you tell me that you went to Vashon High School in St. Louis, oh, you are right with me. You are right with me because our stories are similar. And you understand where I'm coming from. Whereas if you tell me that you went to um, Fort Zumwalt, some school way out in, in St. Louis County, and you tell me that you went there and you want to represent my views as it relates to public education, while Fort Zumwalt may be a public school, your struggles are near my struggles as a student going to Vashon High School. And so um, as you vote, again, think about who you can trust to represent your views. And I mean, it's just a rule of, rule of thumb for me. I won't vote for you unless I talk to you. So um, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, even you, like somebody needs to call my phone or, or do something, send me an email or something. And we, we can have a conversation, but like I've worked on local campaigns. I worked for politicians before, but like, I need to know you as a human. Um, and I said this prior to even a presidential election, like, I want to know where your heart is. I need to feel you as a human and have a conversation with you about more than education, but education in particular, because that's my profession um, as I head to the ballot to make my poll. So as you think about it, just think about who, who can you connect with the most? Yeah, um, I think this is really, you know, it all comes back to, to that child. So that child that doesn't have the meal the three meals at home, you know, that doesn't have the school supplies, you know, his parents, like, regardless of how much they may want to, maybe they can't afford to go buy them those supplies that they need, that uniform that they need, those little shoes that they need. And when you're thinking, I mean, it goes beyond, it's great. If you, if you can provide it, if this person, you know, grew up in that private school and their parents gave them everything they need that's awesome you know that be thankful but let's think about all the other kids that don't have that access who is going to vouch for them because whether you like it or not that's our future <laughs> and if you you know if you only thinking about yourself in those few uh nice private schools that's hidden <laughs> uh that people don't even know where they're at because they're so exclusive yeah um that's just a small percentage we're talking about over two hundred thousand kids in my district what about those kids like who is thinking about who's thinking about those kids that's going to take over this generation that's going to take over you know that is going to grow up and be politicians that is going to grow up and be doctors you know and we have to kind of take ourselves out of it and really think about 
what's going to be best for them. What do the educators need? And I know a lot of people have a very, very hard time putting themselves in shoes of educators. And I get it because unless you work it, you really don't know. All you see is the summer's off and it's a whole lot more to it than that. And, you know, I get a lot of them can't empathize with us on that level, but just think about the kids. That's what's up. Well, we want to both. Nope. Let me try this again. <laughs> Three, two, one. We want to thank you both for joining us this for this uh, discussion. Um, one, letting us know what the climb is, where you are, but shedding some light because I'm pretty sure a lot of people were not aware of some of the issues that you all are facing in your individual schools or just the educational system in general. And so um, from the GRG show, we thank you for joining us. We look forward to a future conversation. So we'll be in touch so we can continue this dialogue. Absolutely. And we, and we know that the hard work begins on November 4th after election day and the results are read. And, and so- uh, Absolutely. Applause to you for all of the work that you do and uh, sharing some insights with us and our audience and listeners. Uh, on the show and, and man we if we could get if we could get a hundred thousand of you two uh we'll be we'll be all right in terms of our uh in terms of our teaching administrators and our public school 